Well, hello there. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom podcast, where we take the challenges that exist all around us and learn how to work with them, to interface with them in a way that truly supports us to be able to thrive and ultimately bloom in our lives. My name is Casey Kingry. I'm so happy to be with you today. Um, today, we're going to talk about rerouting habitual emotions and how when you can change these habitual emotions and the way you experience them inside of your body, you can change the story of your life. You know, so many times we talk about, you know, writing a new story, being the author of your life, being the manifester, the designer of your life. And sometimes people don't find that to be supremely easy just to up and start to manifest. And in my experience, we find that there are some things that are in the way, um, existing ways of being that have become so habitual and so ingrained in parts of our personality and, and our everyday living and our relationships um, that we might not even know that they're there. And so this conversation today is meant to draw awareness to the most granular pieces inside of us um, in an attempt to, to see that as we attend to these granular pieces inside of us, um, we can begin to understand ourselves more and reroute some of the habits that we have formed inside of our minds and our bodies. And when we can inspect things in a very granular way, um, miracles happen. Uh, they can, this granular knowledge can be expanded and applied in so many different areas of life. You know, um, a lot of my work with clients and just human behavior in general, uh, I find that people really like we've been uh, conditioned for big, broad brush strokes. When we think about changing our lives, we think about doing something really extreme or making these like sweeping changes and like making one decision or having one epiphany and having everything just change as a result of that one epiphany or that one big realization. And sometimes that happens. And I definitely experience that in my own life when I get big aha moments or big downloads, my clients experience that too. And also what I have found is that is that when it comes to really changing your life, the answers don't live in changing the actual circumstances of your life, of making those big swings to change the actual pieces or where they are on the board. That really the way you get to moving the pieces on the board is understanding why you've placed them there to begin with. And all the pieces of you that over the course of your life have built up resistance to actually any story other than the one that you're already writing, right? And so in this podcast, I want to kind of explore what it's like to, you know, experience yourself in this very intimate level and these very intimate connections that you have inside of your own body between, you know, the chain of reaction that, 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 that gets triggered or activated when something happens on the outside and, and what, what, transpires on the inside that then floods back out into the outer world to create more of the outside. So, um, you know, I love this work. This work is so um, nuanced and special that it really works so beautifully in a one-on-one -on -one container where you and I can take, you know, 
six months together to really get in the trenches of your life and your upbringing and what you're faced with today and really understand the way that you've been wired and work to rewire your habitual responses on, again on this very intimate and granular level. Um, and so today, since we're not working one-on-one, -on -one, if you are interested on that, I can't wait to explore that with you. You can click on my links. You can click at my website at lifecoachingbylotus.com and you can schedule a free call with me and we can just hop on a Zoom call together and you can tell me what's going on with you and we can put our heads together and our hearts together and, and figure out if perhaps this work could be the path that you would want to take right now in order to change the narrative of your life. Um, and But for today, uh, I'm going to sort of touch on some things that I've touched on in my other podcasts. So if you've been with me for a while, some of this might start to sound a little bit familiar, and that is a wonderful and good thing. So many times when it comes to rerouting patterns or habitual mechanisms inside of our own beingness, we have to hear the same thing again and again and again, and in slightly different ways, in slightly different contexts, so that it can really start to permeate, and it can really start to get in, and we can start to really see the different dimensions of the application. And over time, you accumulate enough of those dimensions together for yourself, it will accrue to lasting change, right? So, you know, I, I've been a yoga teacher for, gosh, since 2007. So that's what, seven, I can't do the math, but it's, it's 17. <laughs> okay, that's 16 years. Wow, you just, I literally counted on my fingers just now. So I've been teaching yoga for a long time. And, and, and it's the yoga teacher in me that is very comfortable with repetition. I have seen firsthand that that saying the same thing over and over and over and over again in different ways, like I'm very good at that and creative at that, um, that eventually it gets in and eventually it lands. And so your, your job here is just to be open, to open your ears, to open your heart, to open your body, and to notice when you aren't open, that that's not a bad thing. You don't have to judge yourself for that. You also, you don't have to make me wrong for that. You can just notice the notice, the resistance that comes up because that resistance could be a wonderful starting place for you to start to dissolve these barriers that are standing between who you are now and the who that you were meant to be between the story that you're currently living in right now and the story, the, the beautiful narrative that you dream about for your life, the person that you are right now with all your strengths and perceived flaws and weaknesses and the person that you were really born to be, the person that this world needs so desperately for you to become. So your job is to open yourself now and, and, then also just to notice where you aren't open and to breathe tenderly into those places and to perhaps ask yourself in these places that I'm resistance, resistant, could those places hold the pocket? Could they hold the key to a new world for me, to a world where I get to choose how I experience life, where I'm not a victim to my circumstances or the decisions or actions of people around me. Um, in, in, in a world where perhaps we can be at, at cause in our lives rather than at effect, you know, where we can wake up every morning and say, this is, this is what I want from life. And this is what I want to create for people. And this is how I want to show up. And I'm going to look at my calendar and I'm going to see all the ways that, that, that I could get derailed from that. And I'm going to make it my mission today 
to to move through those times in 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 a mindful and impactful way you know that's how we rewrite our stories is by being at at agency at being at cause in our life instead of waking up every morning and just allowing our brains and our bodies to go on auto, autopilot because that's what literally they were designed to do just to conserve energy and maintain the status quo right so unless we interrupt unless we use our frontal lobe, unless we reroute these habitual emotions, um, our bodies and minds are just going to wake up every morning and do the same thing that they did yesterday. You know, we think about 60 to 80,000 thoughts every, um, every day. And something like 60% of those is negative, And like 80% of those are repetitive. All right. So this is very real that, you know, that, that people kind of fall into life and they do what's expected of them. And then all of a sudden 20 years go by and they say, how the heck did I get here? Right? So we're going to kind of talk about today, what it looks like to interrupt that cycle from an emotional level, from an inner experience level. All right. So I'm going to talk to you about how this is possible to reroute your habitual emotions and therefore change the narrative of your life. And I'm going to talk about what this looks like in theory. And I'm going to also give you an example or two of what this looks like in my life. Excuse me, because I feel that it's so important. You know, people don't model this for people. Hollywood gets it wrong in a lot of ways, you know, and they they paint really unrealistic ideals that then our nervous system literally thinks is going to happen in reality. And so I find that it's very helpful um, as a yoga teacher and with my clients and in contexts like this is that if I go first, if I make myself vulnerable and show you authentically who I am and what I'm dealing with um, in this context conversation of, of, of um, coaching and yoga and pattern change and transformation change um, in the, in the, um, with the intention that you would find some sort of foothold. Not that you would necessarily do it like me. That's not this game. I'm not here to help get you to do it like me. The game that I'm playing rather is that I share my experience and that you might find something in my experience that feels resonant to you. And in that resonance, you might find inspiration or clarity or strength or some sort of piece of knowledge or wisdom that, that you can apply to your life in a way that allows you to create your own healing journey, your own journey to wholeness, okay? So that's what we're here to do today. So let's dive in. All right, so the first thing I'd like to discuss is this concept called the model. I talk about this a lot. This is a very well-known coaching tool. It's literally just called the model, the thought model, perhaps. It's coined by Brooke Castillo, Castillo out of the life coaching school. And Brooke has, Brooke has claimed this model. And also there are a lot of other ways to describe this. And like I always say, this is really the crux of Joe Dispenza's work. So if, if this conversation ignites you, I would encourage you to, to dig deeper into some of his resources. So the model essentially says that we have neutral circumstances in life and that all circumstances are neutral, just the facts. And that it's actually the thoughts that we choose to think about these circumstances that make them not neutral. But the thing, the problem with that is that our brains work so quickly and so automatically and we believe our brains to tell us the truth all the time. And so what happens is we don't think that we actually have control over those thoughts and we just see them, we perceive them as the way it is, 
right? And so the model actually asks us to pause and step back. And this is where I like to share the Viktor Frankl quote, that Viktor Frankl said something like, between stimulus and response, there is a gap. And within that gap lies possibilities of hope, freedom, et cetera, happiness for you. So basically what I take that to mean from Viktor Frankl is that if you can create a gap between the things that happen to you, the circumstances in your life and the thoughts that you choose to think about them, then you can create more happiness and peace and whatever it is that you would like to cultivate in your, in your, in your life. So that's exactly the crux of the model is that if we can slow down, create a space, identify our thoughts and realize that, that um, our thoughts aren't true necessarily, that they're just sentences in our brain, as one of my coaches, Stacey Bayman, likes to say, um, that then we can start to understand that maybe we can choose our thoughts or at least teach ourselves to create space to choose thoughts instead of believing what our minds hand to us automatically. And this is super important, especially in light of today's conversation is because every time you think a thought, it triggers an emotional reaction inside of your body in the form of a hormone. And that hormonal cascade, that hormonal response creates emotions or feelings inside of your body. And really, I feel like I could kind of just stop there because it's like we've all been raised to discount our feelings. We've all been conditioned in our modern Western world to say, you know, mind over matter, you know, logic trumps everything, you know, follow your head and not your heart, blah, blah, freaking blah. But really like emotions are, are physical. They're valid. They're very real inside of your body and they matter. And the reason that they matter is because your thoughts create a specific type of, of hormonal response according to the type of thought that you think. And so if you're thinking stressful thoughts, you're going to experience a flood of stress hormones in your body. If you're feeling, uh, thinking rather positive, altruistic, hopeful thoughts, then, then rather your body will release feel-good hormones in your body. And this is really important because since our thoughts are habitual, since a huge percentage of our 60 to 80,000 thoughts that we think per day, 85% of those are habitual, then that tells me that a huge chunk, 85% of the emotions that we experience are also habitual. And so many coaches will, will, will simply offer you mindset and that works for them. But in my experience and with my clients, it's not as simple as offering a simply a simple new mindset on life because the, the mindset is only good as your body will accept it. And if your body has habitually learned to identify with all of these hormones that are quote unquote perceived as negative or in response to these negative thoughts, then your body won't be available for anything new. Right? Your body habitually won't be in, available for lasting feel-good hormones to come in and take their place. So that tells me that we've got to interrupt that cycle, that we've got to, to, to manage both our thoughts and our emotions to change the way we feel most of the time inside of ourselves. Right, because then our thoughts lead to, or our thoughts lead to our feelings. Our feelings and emotions then create our actions or inactions, and then all of that bundled together over time eventually will create your personality. And then that personality engages in the world, and that's what creates the narrative, the story, and eventually your whole entire life. So, do you see what I mean by granular? It's like. If we start with these thoughts and emotions and just stay here, stay inside your own body, 
stay inside the own chain, your own chain reaction that you have developed over time. Can you see now that by unpacking that, by, by breaking up that, that, that strategy, by, by breaking up that cascade, you can change from the root, the story that you are creating in this life right? So this is the power that you have right now to not worry about your partner, to not worry about your family, to not worry about your job, to not worry about the economy, to not worry about the the state of the world, to not worry about all of that out there. I'm not saying it's important, but I'm saying that I don't feel that the way to fix all of those things out there, the solution doesn't live out there. It lives inside of each of us all. Right? So if we want to fix what we see outwardly, I propose that we all instead go inward. All right? It's counterintuitive, but it makes sense to me. And I see it every day with my clients that when they, it's literally I'm slinging around Gandhi, but it's when, when people start to be the change they wish to see in the world, instead of trying to concoct it and manufacture it and construct it outside of themselves. I see this every day with my clients that when they start to be the change from the inside out, that is when everything starts to readjust around them. And if each of us did that, what would that accrue to? What would that accumulate to over time? I think it would be big. All right, so let's continue. Science tells us that there is a strong connection between the brain and the heart and the body, all right? And there's such profound research coming out of the HeartMath Institute that has affected my life so completely and the work that I do in this world. So when we think about the thought model, that, that you think a thought and that your thought creates emotion in the form of hormone and then those emotions dictate how you move or don't move in the world and then that forms your life, right? So again, I, as I said before, many, many coaches will just, just tend to the mindset. But here's the, here's the part that I think is really amazing and I hope that you find it amazing too, is that we've really, again, in our modern Western culture that prides the logical mind above all, We have been taught that the brain is the ultimate command center, that the brain is the epicenter of everything. And yes, it is, right? It it the brain controls so many functions, functions that we don't even know that are happening, right? The the brain literally keeps us alive. It sends signals for everything to keep doing its job for us to I, I I don't need to go into all that. So I'm not here to discount what the brain offers at all. All right. But what I'm here to do is fight for the heart a little bit. I'm getting a little emotional. I'm here to fight for your heart and I'm here to fight for your body. And I'm here to fight for those messages that those two things are trying to tell you that the world is telling you to ignore. All right. That's what I'm here to do is I'm here to fight for the information that your brain and your body are giving you. And I'm here to draw your awareness to that part of the equation because I don't think that our world values it enough and gives it enough credit. And I think people are suffering because if they could tend to their emotional body, it might be a big agent of healing, you know, instead of just believing that all of the answers live inside the mind. Whew, I kind of got a, a little on my passionate soapbox there. So the reason I bring up the HeartMath Institute is this, is that they found that yes, the brain 
disseminates all sorts of information to the body in all sorts of ways, mostly through the, the neural receptors and, um, and, and it, all the electricity that it sends out through the body. But here's the most amazing part, and I feel that this is so beautiful, is that the heart receives that information and then the heart actually sends more information up to the brain than the brain ever sent to the heart in the first place. And this is science. This is out of the HeartMap Institute. You can find this, all right? And I can find it for you if you'd like. So what this tells me, everyone, is that the way you feel in your heart matters. And it matters for lots of reasons. It matters because we hold these feelings in our bodies and our bodies then become accustomed to feeling this certain way and it becomes habitual. And it's also super important because then because the brain or the, the heart rather sends all this information back up to the brain, it forms a loop right? Where, okay, so think that you're afraid, right? You think of fearful thought. And we all know what that feels like. For me, it's like a rush of heat and I get like these prickly tingles in my body, right? And so I think a thought that's a scary thought and it sends, it radiates out to my body. And then my heart holds that fear inside. And then somehow beautifully through hormones and its own, its own neural pathways, the heart sends that information back up to the brain, right? Where the brain is reconditioned then with that same hormone, that scary hormone, that's probably cortisol or epinephrine or adrenaline, right? And then that hormone reinforms the brain. The brain thinks more scary thoughts. The scary thoughts go back out to the body, which reinforces the fear response in the body, which sends more fearful energy up to the brain. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. So can you see in this moment that we between our thoughts and emotions, our lives become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm gonna say that again. Can you see that between the cycle of our thoughts and emotions, that our lives become a self-fulfilling prophecy? So we must interrupt this. If we want to be at cause, if we want to be the true leader, the designer, the author of our own lives, our one precious life here, we have to interrupt the cycle, okay? In order to change the way we see ourselves, in order to change the way we relate to others, in order to change what we expect for ourselves in the future, what we think is possible for ourselves on a subconscious level, we have to tend to the cycle between our thoughts and feelings, all right? So for me, in my coaching practice, it doesn't work for me to only isolate the thoughts. We have to isolate the, the, the beliefs that you have about yourself that are creating these, these hormones, this, these feelings. And then we also have to see how you're living in these feelings and how they affect you and how they become part of you and how that then is creating more of the same types of thoughts. All right. So it's more like the, it's like this looping web. And so we have to teach the brain to think new things. And we also have to teach the body to feel different things without changing the circumstances, all right? So it's no small task, but it's so doable. And when you start to do it, it's really quite miraculous, right? And it's powerful. So um, one thing that I haven't mentioned is that the brain and the body, they are both designed, I think I mentioned it a little bit, but let me really take this home, is that they are both designed to conserve energy. They are both designed to, to keep you safe exactly as you are. And so what that means to the brain and body isn't your best life. <laughs> it isn't your highest self. It's your safest self that exists right here, right now. 
okay? So your brain and your body are designed to keep you safe and alive, and that's it. If given the chance, they, are, they want to conserve energy for shit to hit the fan at some later date. They don't want to spend energy for you to grow or thrive or break patterns or break cycles or do something new. That is not in your body's and mind's best interest from an evolutionary perspective. So you have to see about yourself when you want to change the narrative of your life that your highest self wants you to do it. The pieces of you that want the best for you, that want the most for you, that can see how beautiful and precious and brilliant you are, they want the best for you. But there are also parts of you that don't want that, that want to keep you just where you are, that want to keep you exactly as is. It's like the devil that you know. It's like, well, this at least we're alive right here, right now. We figured this out. We know how to maintain this. We know how to stay safe here. Let's just stay here. Let's not risk it, right? And so you have to know that about yourself is that when given the chance, everything in, you know, all of the safety pieces inside of you are going to want you to just stay as is. But if you have a calling on your heart that you're made for more, at some point you're going to have to choose which parts you're going to give the most power to, the ones that want to pull you forward, in which case you're going to have to examine your brain and your body and unravel some of this stuff so that you can have the kinetic energy and the free space and the, and the bandwidth, if you will, to then re-ravel and recreate and take all that beautiful energy into the future to create who you really want to be. But at some point, point, you're going to have to make that choice for yourself. And I think it might help you to make that choice if you can understand that from, a, from an evolutionary level, you're, everything wants to just stay exactly as is. So you're going to have to call upon these parts of yourself, and then you're going to have to stay connected to these higher level parts of yourself as you do this work to keep you moving forward, to keep you from surrendering or succumbing back into the safety. Whew. I felt that for myself. I thought that that was actually really beautiful. I didn't plan to say that, but I think that it needed to be said. So really, my friends, this is about changing your inner relationship with life, changing your inner experience of life, changing the way your body mind and spirit metabolizes the things that happen to you, all right? And it's an active practice. And if you're a yogi, you already know how to do this. And if you're a runner, you already know how to do this. Or if you're a knitter, you already know how to do this. Something tells me in my life that you know how to keep showing up for something, that there is something in your life that you do again and again and again and again. So you know how to do this, my friends. You just have to apply that same type of devotion to this practice and 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 watch yourself as you judge yourself for for taking a long time or getting it quote unquote wrong or whatever it is this is this is work that doesn't happen overnight you know i'm 45 years old it's taken four plus decades to wrap all these patterns together for myself and so it makes sense that it wouldn't take 45 years but that it would take some time right to unwind it on the back end all right so I want to get into just a little bit of how I do this for myself. And this is already going kind of long, so I'm going to try to be more concise as I proceed. You all know me and that, that, that I just love talking about this stuff. So one of the tools that I use to practice this in my life is called the Gene Keys. 
And I want to be very clear that I'm on my way to becoming a person that can be certified in this whole modality, but I am not a, a practitioner of the gene keys. I study them in my life and I use the concepts of the gene keys very, very much with my clients. I think that the, the gene keys gave me language for what I was doing already intuitively in my practice. And so what I coach my clients to do a lot and what I do in my own life is if I'm experiencing something unwanted, um, the and I, I never said this, but I'm kind of applying these habitual emotional cycles to unwanted emotions or quote unquote negative emotions. And so what I kind of do intuitively in my own life and in my practice is, is, is I identify what it is I'm experiencing. And then I also identify what's on the other side of that coin. So, you know, what's the, the unwanted sensation? What would be the 180 degree opposite of that? And then what would be the thing that would be in the middle? What would be like a neutral expression of that? Or what, 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 what base would I have to tag from my unwanted experience to my desired experience? And if the desired experience feels too far away, then, then I can hold that out in, in the horizon of my vision. But for the immediate moment, my work would be to lean into that neutral expression. All right. And so I really want to say, I saw this meme on, on Instagram the other day, and it was like coaches that just tell you to do the opposite or full of it. And I was like, Ooh, that that's kind of what I do. But I also, it's so much deeper than that. And here's what I do want to say is that it's not just simple as like, oh, you have a problem. We'll do the opposite. Like, that's not it. That's not it. It's multi-layered and nuanced. And this is why working on one-on-one is so profound. But I do want to say that, that, that at some point we have to start, ro- stop rolling around in the energy of the problems that we're facing. And we have to start making our bodies and our minds available for the solution. All right. And that's how we get healed. And that's also how we find the solution. All right. Again, we have these weird expectations, I think, from Hollywood and all sorts of things that it's like, okay, give me the answer and then I'll work towards it. And oftentimes we have to start working towards the answer without actually knowing exactly what it is. And so leaning into the opposite of what it is that we are experiencing or the antidote or the antithesis, what that can do is that it can help our our nervous system start to lean in the direction that we're heading in. And what happens when we're doing that is we start to release our grasp on the habitual patterns that are keeping us where we don't want to be. We can start to kind of unravel that which makes us more available for the energy that we want to lean into but we we create the energy we want to lean into by starting to practice to lean into it before it actually feels real to us that sort of sounded really circly but hopefully you're still with me so it's not just like okay here's the prescription which i'm a coach i don't give prescriptions but it's not like okay you know you're in fear go practice trust it's it's not like that but it's like recognizing that like for me fear the other side of fear is almost always trust or love and so in the moments when i'm feeling super fearful i i say to myself i what am i what do i love so much that it's causing me pain or i'm afraid to lose it or i'm afraid it, it's going to get broken or whatever and and then in that moment i can see that the fear is actually really coming from love and then i can remember that i'm so afraid just because i love this thing so much and then that makes my whole body feel better because i'm like oh i feel i feel terrible but it's because i love so much and when i remind myself of that then i can connect to the essence of love which displaces some of the fear 
Does that make sense? So what the gene keys specifically say is that within each of us are 64 strands of DNA. And depending on when and where you were born, specific strands are imprinted in your life in a specific way. And that's not the part that I'm specifically trained in. The, 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 that's the part that I'm going to head to be trained in at some date. But, but the part that I really want to, to offer to you is that each of the 64 gene keys lives, lives inside of all of us. And so they might express themselves at different times in our lives. And so really the beauty of the gene keys can be available to us no matter when and where you were born, no matter what. And, and the beauty of the gene keys is this, is that, that the gene keys start with a shadow, that which within each 64 strands of DNA, there is a shadow. And it manifests usually as something quote unquote negative or unwanted. And, and the gene keys tell us that if we can embrace the shadow, instead of trying to cut it off, instead of trying to quote unquote fix it or make it pretty or pretend it's not there, skip over it. If we can actually pull that shadow of ours closer and embrace it, what happens is then the next layer of the shadow be gets released, the gift, that by embracing the shadow, we release the gift, all right, which is the, the benevolence or the wisdom or the beauty that that shadow in all of its pain can show us if we want to look. And that by releasing the gift, then we get to embody the city, S-I-D-D-H-I, -D -D which is a Sanskrit word for trans transcendence, this divine expression. So if we can embrace our shadows and pull them closer, then we can release the gift and in turn embody the city, this divine transcendent place. And so what this can do is it can show you that if you can actually take this unwanted habitual emotion or take this thing that you feel a lot of the time or most of the time and really pull it closer and look at it and examine it, it can lead you to this gift. And when you understand what that gift is, then you can start to live in the energy of that gift more than you live in the energy of the shadow and you start to become healed. And these habitual old emotions start to get derailed and you start to reroute your nervous system to, to transport itself more easily and more habitually into the sensation of the gift and not into the sensation of the shadow. And then, and then you keep getting healed more and then you live more in the gift. And then you find yourself in the shadow and you get more easily back to the gift. And then once you live in the gift more and more and more and it becomes a part of you, then you become this embodied wisdom that this thing in your life that has caused you so much pain can actually help you to thrive and become more brilliant. And you don't even have to know what the gene keys are. You can just say, what am I experiencing in my life? Am I experiencing frustration, resentment, fear, anger? And all you have to do is just sit with that, right? And define for yourself, what's the exact opposite of this? If I, if I, if I don't want to feel this way and I want to feel the exact opposite, what would that be? And then, okay, that, that, that's on the other side of the bridge. What's in the middle of the bridge? What feels accessible today? And then that becomes your practice, my friends, where instead of resentment, you might live in a little more acceptance and you might head towards a little more personal responsibility. I don't know, you fill in the blanks. You get to decide what's in those places for you. So let me just share a little bit about what my gene key um, profile looks like and what this looks like in practice. I think that instead of just um, 
me coming up with random things on the spot. I'm just going to sh share with you my experience. So one of my gene keys is uh, my evolutionary gene key. And again, we, let, let's not get too caught up in the, the paradigm of it. Like I said, I'm not an expert in that part. But there's, there's a specific gene key that is an expression of my evolution, which will be the single greatest challenge of my life personally. And this gene key is the shadow of expectation. I'm getting emotional <laughs> because this is very real for me. This feels so true. You know, such a big part of my story is that I'm almost five years sober from alcohol right now. And I drank, I drank for over two decades. And I can honestly, without a shadow of a doubt, tell you that the source of my drinking for all of that time was disappointment and feeling like a failure from my unmet expectations of life. I wanted to be a wife. I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to feel chosen. I wanted to have a family. I wanted all these things. And the more I drank, the more I pushed them farther away, the more my expectations got got missed, the more disappointed I got, the more I drank, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I discovered that my life's challenge is working with the shadow of expectation, that feels so resonant and true to me. And so just knowing that, that all my life, my expectations are going to get, be, they're going to challenge me it makes me compelled to figure out how I want to, to work with them. And so most of us just say, I'll be fine with my expectations as long as they get met, right? But that means controlling the outer world. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to manipulate the outer world to, so that my inner world can be at peace. I'm here to establish an inner world that can be at peace no matter what happens around me, okay? And so I was single, I was without kids, I was unchosen, and that just led to this reinforcement that's this was a huge expression of the shadow of dis, of expectation. So the gift of the shadow of expectation is the gift of detachment. And so in order for me to move out of expectation, I have to detach from those expectations. I have to detach from what they make me me mean. What I what I make them mean about me. Um I have to to detach from the story of being unchosen or being unwanted or or being a failure for not being a mother or whatever I might make that mean, right? So for me, as I head out of expectation, I have to I have to detach, right? And then the the, the part that really comes alive for me is that the shadow of expectation leads to the city of celebration, and so the antidote of having expectations in every moment is to actually celebrate every moment. And so that's what I do in my life now. I'm still not married. I will not have my own children. It doesn't appear. And I could still be plagued by that shadow of expectation if I wanted to, but I'm not because I've released myself. I've detached myself from those old rules and I have found peace. And I'm able to celebrate my life now for exactly what it is on every single day instead of being disappointed for my expectations of what I wanted it to be or what I think it should be, okay? Um, another great example of this is the furniture situation in my house. You know, we've been here for a year and a half and we're still working on our furniture. And I can see looking back that I came into this thinking that we would just put it all together immediately. And I had a bunch of wounds coming into this relationship where us not doing that 
I had expectations of what that meant that, you know, we're 45 years old and this is what a 45 year old person's house should look like. And, and this is what this should look like. And this is what this should be like. And if you really loved me, then this would be important to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so those are all of my expectations. Can you hear that? And, and the moment I realized I could detach from those and actually celebrate the the progress that we are making, the decisions that we're making together, the amazing teamwork that we have, um, the 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 fact that we even moved out here, the the amazing house that we have out here, like it's like, but my expectations were shrouding my ability to celebrate the true victories. I've never lived with anyone before. I've never made it this far in a relationship before. I've never loved somebody like this. I've never experienced this level of intimacy with someone. This is every single dream I ever had for myself come true. And all of those nights that I was crying, drinking in my house, what I'm experiencing now is every answer to every wish and every prayer I ever had in that moment. And do you see how I would be missing it if I was still in the shadow of my expectations? Right. And it's not to say that I've cracked the code or I fixed it for good. This is an ongoing practice for me where I have to check in with my expectations and I have to choose. I have to rewire. I have to facilitate my inner self to saying, hey, Casey, what could you just celebrate right now? Like, wouldn't it be so much more fun if you just focused on everything great that's happening instead of the opportunities that you have for disappointment? And this, my friends, will be my lifelong journey. And this, my friends, will be and is how, pardon me, this is how I am rewiring and rewriting my own story, the narrative for my life. So what's coming up for you? If you ask yourself, what are the, what are the main, you know, top one, two, or three emotions that you find yourself in most of the time? I'm not talking about when you get cut off or when your kid does something scary and you get really freaked out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you, when you open your eyes in the morning, how do you feel? I'm talking about when the first email comes in or the first phone call comes in, what does your body tell you? What I'm talking about, like when you have repetitive conversations with your partner or your staff or your kids, what fills your body up? And how long has that been going on? (laughs) Right. And that's what I'm here to say, that you have power over that and that nobody has to change and nothing has to get fixed for you to start to see the world differently to see yourself differently, and to therefore experience your inner world differently. And I'm here to tell you that when you learn to experience your inner world differently, and you learn to reroute these pathways that have become so solidified inside of you, that you do that over time, that you can hold that consistency, that you can hold that long enough for the outer world to start to realign to you, things will change and you will write a new story for yourself. And that will ripple out to everyone and everything around you. I am counting on it. So I get so emotional. This is really important because I feel that if every person did this and we each rippled in our own unique and profound and beautiful ways, that we would wake up and this world would be different. So this isn't like, if you feel like doing this, you should do it. This is if you want to this whole thing to keep going, if you want us to, to thrive and even survive, 
as a society, as a culture, if we're going to make it through this, I compel you to do this work. So keep listening to my podcast. Join my Patreon community. I've added a group coaching level this month. Um, and then work with me one-on-one and I can help you, teach you how to reroute all of this inside of yourself so that you can write the story of your dreams. I couldn't love you more. Be well, my friends. Namaste.